Small podcasts can get paid. If you're running a show that is consistent, has received feedback from listeners, and has a well-defined listenership, the sky's the limit. You can absolutely attract money to your project. Are you looking to monetize your podcast? Do you get less than 10,000 downloads per episode? Interested in exploring other income streams beyond ads? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, this episode is for you. Welcome to Women of Color Podcasters. I'm Danielle Desir Corbett, host and founder of WOC Podcasters, a podcasting community established in 2018 dedicated to connecting and uplifting women of color podcasters and audio creators. We invite you to join our community which shares grants and funding opportunities, as well as hosts monthly fireside chats with guest experts. And we have an extensive resource library covering topics from launching all the way to business development and everything in between. You can join us with a seven-day free trial by visiting wcpodcasters.co slash community. The link to join us will also be in the show notes. Today, we are joined by Michelle Jackson, the founder of the newsletter and platform Podcasters Getting Paid. Michelle Jackson is a podcast monetization coach, passionate about podcasters with smaller audiences and smaller shows making money from and through their work. She is also the host of the award-winning personal finance podcast, Michelle is Money Hungry, and a number of other projects. Believing there is more than one way to get paid, Michelle helps podcasters with fewer than 10,000 downloads per month monetize their shows. In one of her newsletters, Michelle shares 42 ways to make money podcasting, and the list keeps getting bigger. Today, we're exploring how podcasters can monetize their skills, lesser-known income streams to have on your radar, as well as how to navigate challenges unique to indie podcasters with quote-unquote, smaller audiences. Remember, all the links mentioned in this episode will be available in the show notes and on our website over at wcpodcasters.co. Women of color are influential visionaries, moving the podcasting industry forward, impacting how we create and consume podcasts. But we often don't hear about their work contributions, or rise to success. We believe it's about time these powerhouses are celebrated and acknowledged. So tune in every other week as we share the stories of women of color making big moves in front and behind the mic. So Michelle, what are the biggest objections that podcasters have when they are thinking about monetizing their shows and how do you address them? Okay, so I think the biggest objection is that they don't believe they can monetize their show until they get to a certain number of downloads. It's just a talking point that has so like sunk into the minds of people that it's very difficult to get them to believe otherwise. The other thing would be, and it's completely connected with this, is the CPM model. 
as it relates to monetization. And it's quite frustrating because there's a million one ways to make money and like 990,000 of them have nothing to do with CPMs, right? And so I think that is the most frustrating part of trying to get people to imagine that they can monetize this. They just don't believe that they can. And they're really committed to believing that the CPM model is the end all and the only way and the religion of monetization. And because I was making money in all these different ways, I was just like, you guys, like there's all these different ways to make money. And I mean, it's America. We've seen all the different ways to make money. People were selling $66 collard greens for Christmas, Nordstrom's. I think it was Nordstrom's or no, it was Neiman Marcus. How is Neiman Marcus selling $66 collard greens, which are a dollar a pound? Do they have cute little Southern grandmas in a kitchen somewhere? Is there gold in it? So I just, I got frustrated. Likewise, you know, I live in Colorado. People are always like, it's always snowing. It's always, I'm like, you don't live here. I'm trying to tell you my lived experience and I'm telling you it doesn't always snow here. And in fact, it was 60 degrees the other day. And so I share that example to say I was living this experience with monetization that no one wanted to believe. Likewise, the same thing with how I live in Colorado. They're insisting it snows. And I'm like, it doesn't snow like you think. And so finally, I was just like, I need to do something about this, which was why I started talking at conferences and speaking at conferences about, hey, you can monetize your work. Hey, you can monetize your work. Hey, you can do it faster than you think. Hey, like I'm living off of my money. Like it's not always perfect, but it's coming together. And it just has been a lot to get people to have the hope, the belief, and the knowledge. And so that's why I created Podcasters Getting Paid, the newsletter, because I was like, I only have so much capacity, but I also wanted to scale the messaging and provide more context. I think it's one thing to go to a conference, but I'm one Michelle and there's lots of people and there's only so many conferences I feel like going to. And so that's part of the reason why I was like, you know what, let's just create a resource that's really accessible to people and over and over again, drive this home with tons of different examples of ways that people can make money so that maybe by three months into receiving the newsletter, they're like, maybe I'm going to try something. This is the other thing. People are afraid to try because they're very like attached to, well, what if I'm rejected? I'm like, you're going to get rejected. Get over it. If you're in content creation, if you're in business, it's not always going to work for you. And I'm not sure why everyone is so afraid of that. I think it's just a good way almost to weed people out because if you're always expecting a positive outcome, then this is not for you. And I know that's harsh, but it's just is what it is. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's so much to unpack there about lived experiences. And I'm now have been in the podcasting space for four years and I feel like I'm unlearning a lot. I'm like, when did I get indoctrinated to this like mentality of like how we were supposed to do things, right? I think a lot of us are attracted to content creation or being creators because of that flexibility and freedom. But then we start to kind of go down this rabbit hole of it has to be this way or it should be this way. And having like this limited scope and limited view of like monetization, for example. So what I love about your project is that you are showcasing like there are a number, a variety of ways to make an income, make good money. What do you think 
are some of the reasons as to why someone would consider monetizing their podcast. I know, for example, podcasts cost money to create, right? We have tools and tech. So what are some of the reasons that are like, you know what, if this is a reason for you, you should consider monetizing? Well, I'm going to share my experience, which is I have been in the content creation space since 2012, and I love it. It is not for the faint of heart, <laughs> but I create a lot of content around equity and policy and personal finance, and it's very heart driven. But there just came a point where I was like, this is now my business. This is a business and a business needs to generate revenue. And even if it wasn't a business, podcasting just takes up a significant amount of time to produce good work. And I have been receiving awards for my work. So I know that what I'm doing and what I'm creating and the conversations that I'm having are very impactful, but I have only so much energy. And in order for me to sustain the work that I'm doing, I have to get paid. I am not a billionaire. I am not Riri. Okay. <laughs> I would like to retire young-ish. <laughs> I have things I want to do. And so everything in my house needs to generate income including my online projects. It could also be that you're deciding it has nothing to do with like your earned income personally. It could be that you have a mission that you want to support. And by monetizing your project, you're able to support that. So I have some friends who run a very large personal finance group and they have decided to monetize it. But part of why they've monetized it is to support things like helping women gain access to healthcare because they might have to leave one state to go to another. So that's just part of their social mission. But in order to do that, they have to have funds. Or maybe there's a woman who's needing support because they're leaving a spouse. And so my friends have monetized with that in mind. My friends don't need the money. They're doing very well, but they're doing a lot of work. And so they've thought about how can the work that we're doing be of service to the communities that we're helping. So there's more than one way to kind of think about what monetization looks like and the purpose within your life and your brand. For me, I need money. Okay. <laughs> like I want the money because I want to sustain the work that I'm doing because I feel like it's so important. At this moment in time, there's a lot going on in the world. I feel like a lot of people's voices are not being heard. And so part of my personal mission is to help those voices get heard. And if I'm able to help people kind of rethink their way of thinking about making money, maybe that's a show about Black history that sustains itself because they're like, you know, Michelle was telling me that there's this other way to do a thing and make money and be ethical around how I do it. And I can sustain my project that is so important to other people. So that's kind of how I look at it. Like I want to help other people so that their voices can be sustained. They can continue working on the projects that they're working on and that they're compensated for that work. For me personally, I was really inspired to monetize so that I can hire an editor because I knew that was draining and I knew that the quality of my show can improve with the right editing skills and editor. So that was a really big motivator. And another motivator is that with my show, I'm able to create space 
for the conversations that are not being had traditionally in both the travel and personal finance space. But to create that space, there comes with, like you said, energy and efforts and costs related to that. So I think, again, a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I'm selling out or I'm like going to be sleazy in my approach to monetization. And that doesn't have to be the case. Also, I think money is triggering for a lot of people, right? Like whether that's earning or spending money. So any thoughts and insights you can share of how to like reframe all of these negative emotions we have about actually making an income through our podcast? It makes me crazy (laughs) to hear this idea, this concept that to monetize your work is a negative or unethical thing. However, within that conversation, I think it's really important to ask yourself, how do you imagine monetization to look like? So in my personal finance podcast, where I'm talking about social equity access and policy, it would be weird if I were adding payday loan ads, right? That doesn't makes sense or something that would be harmful to my audience. So I think if you automatically are like, it's bad, it's this, maybe you haven't sat down and really thought about how can I monetize in a way that supports my show, that supports my listeners, that adds impact and is not something that's a distraction or just makes no sense within the context of the work that you're doing. So in your case, Actually, the both of us, we work with brand partners as a way to defray from the cost of the expense of running our projects so that we don't have to put that cost on our listeners. I think that there's a deeper conversation around what does monetization look like versus just this, it's bad. How the hell is it bad if you haven't sat down and created a strategy around it? If you philosophically, and I am one of those people, philosophically, I was like, I cannot monetize in such a way where my listeners or my community members feel like they're going to have to make a financial decision that could harm them in order to work with me. That was something that I thought about for a long time. In fact, I worried about ethical monetization to the point that, again, I'm in personal finance space. A lot of people in that space start talking about how to make money online. That's like a natural transition in content creation for that space. And I purposely split that content up because I didn't feel right about writing about the financial life of a sex worker and having a conversation, like a really thoughtful conversation with someone who's vulnerable and then being like, hey, if you could buy my course, (laughs) like that just, it didn't make sense to me. And so I split that content up so that it would stay authentic and true to the audience that I was serving. So I actually have a project called the Brand Building Lab. People will see more of that moving forward into the future because I'm focusing on serving people through teaching and that's appropriate for the Brand Building Lab. But if I were like buy my course on Michelle is Money Hungry, which is the name of my other project where I'm talking about social equity. It just didn't make sense. So I spent a long time thinking about what is the buying journey? What does monetization look like for me? What are ways that I can make money where my audience and community are completely uninvolved with that? And there's 
a lot of ways to make money where you're not asking other people for it to make a buying decision. And so that is why you'll hear me talk about, I write eBooks, both fiction and nonfiction. You'll hear me talking about affiliate marketing, where a lot of times with affiliates, you don't even have to have someone make a purchase with your affiliate link. They could just click the link and you can make money. There's a lot of reasons why I work with brand partners, because this is a way for me to make money without getting into people's pockets. However, I do have products and services. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about what is the buying journey in terms of where people are as they create their businesses, but also like what makes sense in terms of being compensated fairly. And I feel like I've done a really good job of having like free to high ticket. And there is no point in working with me where you should feel compelled to make a spending decision that would harm your wallet. And I've worked very, very hard to do that. Likewise, anyone watching this or listening to this should be able to do the same, but you're going to have to sit down and kind of think about what does that look like for you. The intentionality of your monetization strategy is like so important. That's like the big thing that I'm getting from what you're saying, Michelle. And there's a couple of points that I wanted to address and go back to. So One of the new terms, new quote unquote terms that I see people kind of pushing out there right now is seeing their brands as digital media companies. And as a digital media company, they see things like their podcast as a product of their company, right? And with that, you can decide, okay, am I going to tap into charging my audience for access to these products? Or am I going to work with partners or do an affiliate relationship or, or any Anything else. So I think the intentionality of it is really important. And you can always change your mind, right? Like what you started off with maybe two years ago, a year ago can look completely different. And it does take time for you to figure out what that strategy looks like. I also see that a lot of podcasters are looking for this linear trajectory where it's like they launch a product and it's live and money is just rolling through the door. So can you talk about the realities of like tapping into different income streams as a podcaster and what's realistic? Like what can we expect? I love this question, but I do want to say one thing, which is I push back on the word realistic because some of our like ideas and dreams and like imagination around what we can do to another person will feel completely unrealistic, right? So what I would say is when you're monetizing your products, goods, services, your platform, it is a long-term project. Period. End of story. You will often hear about the TikTok unicorns or the Pinterest unicorns. I have friends who were those unicorns. They were able to optimize those platforms when they first hit and boom. But 99% of content creators, that's just not going to happen, right? And so the reality is this is a long-term process. And it's funny because right now as I'm kind of like, DM'd you and kind of shared some news, which is I'm pivoting my brand. It's time. I've been thinking about it for a while and I've had these niche projects living in the background and I've been working on them for a while. And one of the things I realized was that way back in the beginning of creating content, 
(laughs) I never planned on making money with it in the beginning. Like I just was trying to share my story and get things out. Maybe it was therapy. I don't know. And then over time, it changed. Like the intention and the project and the time, it all changed. And so when I started monetizing, I didn't know what I didn't know. And what a lot of us don't talk about is that Research and development phase of online business creation can be really long. And when I first started my personal finance brand, I actually had other projects that I was like, oh, you know, this one is just hitting so much faster than the the personal finance one. Which one should I go with first? And I was crazy and decided to go with the harder project. Why the hell I did this? I did not know. But I, for some reason, was like, the personal finance brand is going to be so much harder to build out. I'm going to start with that first. But now I'm switching things around. And these other projects are going to be so much easier to build because I learned search engine optimization. I learned how to negotiate with brands on brand partnerships. I learned how to do affiliate marketing. I learned all these things. And it took a long time to do that. It doesn't mean that it's going to take a billion years to make money. It just means that you need to kind of temper your expectations so that you're not upset or disappointed or it's like setting some unreasonable expectations on yourself about what should be happening. So we referenced it, Podcasters Getting Paid. It's a newsletter that I started last summer, but kind of not really like I started it. And then I caught COVID in the middle of the fall. And then it, you know, just was like, boop, 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 boop. so I'm not going to really assess whether or not that project is even a successful until the end of 2023. I think it will be. I'm starting to be very happy with kind of how things are going. I'm getting a feel for the logistics of having this product, what people are going to ask me. Like there's just all these little components that you have to learn about as you're selling these products. And it takes time. And I think that that's the one thing I want people to understand. It takes time and you need to set some reasonable expectations on the time component. But, you know, dream big. Believe you can do whatever you want to do. But I think you have to just understand that it's going to take time to do it. But just like anything, they talk about compound interest. Over time, like $1 equals two, $2 equals four, like it starts to compound. But most people don't have the patience to stick with it. That's what I've seen. Yes. And sometimes it's like you feel like I've invested so much thought, energy, time, money, maybe, and it's discouraging. I have seen as a creator that I have like a graveyard full of products that I've launched that never really took off. But then I have other projects that like immediately caught traction. And then other projects are kind of like in the middle where it's like it was like a slow climb. But I think having an experimentation mindset when you are launching things, when you're releasing things, when you're trying new things, I think is healthy. And I've developed such thick skin these days that tell me, no, okay, something else is the next door, the opportunity. So how do you deal with rejection when you put something out there and it just didn't land like you had hoped it would? I wouldn't even call it rejection. Like just sometimes it's not the right time. I love my personal finance brand. This is very like candid. And when I first started thinking about monetization, I had all these friends 
really like I had a number of friends who were making all kinds of money with their personal finance websites. And I just was not able to get the kind of traction that they were getting. I wasn't leveraging Pinterest in the same way. And I was talking about different topics and just, it just was what it was. And it was hard because you'll watch other people's progress and think, well, why not me? Right? Well, I could tell you why not me. I was doing content that had nothing to do with SEO. (laughs) I was pursuing content that was very heart driven, I was talking about topics that people were not searching for. I do not regret any of that. That's why I have awards, okay? That's why people have worked with me. But my road was different. Now, years later, I understand SEO. I understand search intent and what people are looking for and how to use that as a strategy. But you know what's really wild? The two projects in the beginning of my content creation journey, one was about money, the other one was about Colorado. The Colorado one, I was like, that one will be so easy to grow, but I'm going to do the hard thing. Guess what I'm working on this year? The easy thing, because I've learned all the hard lessons and I can so optimize this other project so much faster and still love on my other project. So an example of this, this is a painful one, but I want to be candid. Example of this is I love my podcast. <laughs> I love my Michelle's Money Hungry podcast. I put a lot of heart and soul into this podcast. I have about 115,000 downloads, so it's been listened to. My Square State Colorado podcast, I have an episode with 10,000 downloads that way surpasses the downloads of any other episode of this other project that I've been working on for years. It doesn't mean that it's not as important. It just means that it is what it is. And I'm still going to work on that project. I'm going to be changing things around. I've decided to take a step back from it because I'm working a new strategy with that project. And that strategy includes content that's search engine optimized, (laughs) you know, like just approaching it differently. But you better believe that all those hard lessons are making this other project so much easier to make money with. And so long answer to your question, but there's just, I feel like you're in the place that you're supposed to be. And hopefully you're self-reflective and you learn from the journey And then when it's time to make that pivot, you're ready to rock and roll. Yes. I know like behind the scenes, we talk about pivoting. I feel like on a like monthly basis, like I'm pivoting, I'm pivoting, you know? I think it's a couple of parts where it's like for you, like intrinsically within you, you have like this feeling or like something in your gut that's telling you, okay, this over this. Sometimes you get feedback from maybe your listeners or just the industry at large. So a lot of pivoting, a lot of experimentation. I think those are things to expect as you're monetizing. So you talked about this term monetization strategy, you kind of mentioned it a couple of times already in this conversation. So what things should podcasters be thinking about when they are creating their monetization strategy? Like what's this, let's say step by step that they should be thinking about? I think that's a hard question in the sense that first, you have to believe that you can even monetize. So I think just kind of addressing any of the mental roadblocks around bringing money into your project, I think that's like step number one. Like, what are the mental things that are going to come up that freak you out about making money? I actually had a conversation with a CEO this week, ironically, to be a podcast producer for this person's show. 
And it was really strange because this guy is literally a CEO and he was very uncomfortable with anything to do with monetization. And I was just like, you're a CEO, right? So there just might be some things in your head that really impact how you think about making money to the point that was made earlier about money is bad, this feels dirty, this feels weird. I think the other thing is just understanding who your audience is and what would actually be of service to them versus I just feel like making money, let's make some apparel. And you know, like you're gonna have to spend some time observing what they would want and what lights you up. And it could be that you make money with your platform that has no direct impact on your audience. Like you're doing things completely unrelated. So in my case, I've worked with brands on a video series. It has nothing to do with my podcast. They just saw me in my space, in my content creation space, and thought I would be a good fit for the project. I got paid a lot of money. It has nothing to do with my podcast. Super happy. So the other thing would be, what's your hard no? What are the things that you're like, I cannot do this. This is completely not going to make sense. So if you are a fiction podcast creator, having ads within your show may not work. It might be a distraction, but having an after the show where you dissect what your show is about and the actors and the tension and the story, that might be a place where you could have an ad or maybe you want to do something in person. So just kind of really figuring out what ways to make money feel comfortable for you. So again, I'm going to be vulnerable. I hate freelance writing. I hate it. I do freelance writing. And one of the things I'm really focused on in 2023 is phasing that out. It's very lucrative. So I felt weird about not liking freelance writing. But I'm like, if I'm going to write that much, I want to write on my website and get ad revenue. Like that's how I've been thinking about it. Whereas I have friends making hundreds of thousands of dollars freelancing. So the other question is, what energetically makes sense for you within your overall content creation, monetization strategy. What lights you up? Freelance writing does not light me up. And I love my editors. I love the topics I get to write on, but I'm always feeling like I'd rather create on my own website. So I'm phasing that out. That is one of my number one goals for this year is to get that gone (laughs) because there's just so many other ways that I like making money. It's got to (laughs) go. So just being honest with yourself and And I felt a little weird about it because aren't I supposed to feel good that I can get paid $700 to write for two or three hours? Like that's pretty legit, but I don't enjoy it. So I shouldn't be doing it. So I have to phase it out. You might love it. And so that's something to think about. Yes, absolutely. These are such important things as you're coming up with, okay, the actual plan of like, how will I make money? Now, you have an incredible article on podcasters getting paid that shares 42 and counting ideas for ways that podcasters can monetize and get paid. But I really wanted to touch on the lesser known ways. So what would you say are some income streams that are like so out there to podcasters that they wouldn't even consider it, but it maybe can be on the table for them to think about for monetization. This one, actually, if you're a blogger, you're always thinking about it, but as a podcaster, you don't. And the reason why is a lot of podcasters don't have their own websites. 
and they're not clear about how show notes function versus blog posts, but add revenue on their website. So I referenced my Colorado website in this conversation and my primary goal with phasing myself out of freelance writing is to get ad revenue generated from content that I've written on my Colorado website. That way, income's coming in and ad revenue, I'm not talking like 8,000 ads on the website, but if you've gone to Google, you've seen how it works. It's the same thing with your website. So I think having a podcast that has its own digital house, which would be your website, and where you can do things like grow an email list. So you can do things like create blog content that's SEO specific, where people are searching for certain things and you can have people come to your website while you're sleeping and get ad revenue. So I think that's a big one that people are just sleeping on because I think a lot of people don't really understand the difference between show notes versus how a blog post would function. You can monetize both, by the way, but a blog post would be specifically answering a question if you're thinking about monetizing. So that's why when you go online and you type in, what are seven things that I can do in Denver? That's why an article comes up and there's ads. (laughs) And that's literally what I'm going to do for that website so that I could go to sleep And I've written this one post and people are naturally searching for that and I can make money. So I have a friend who is, and this is funny, I laughed really hard at happy hour when she told me and my other friends about this. I have a friend who is a high earning freelance writer and she learned that people love foot pictures, okay? And so she has made thousands of dollars especially when the NFTs were like becoming a thing. She made like almost $12,000 last spring off her toes, off her feet, okay? It's not for me because I go hiking, so my feet aren't appropriate for that. But I'm just saying like, <laughs> like understanding how to do that, understanding search engine optimization, because yes, OnlyFans has SEO. All these things online have SEO. And I was laughing so hard. But if you are a romance author, if you're in the sex space, if you are creating content in those spaces, you could do something like that and never show your face. Never show your face. So you could do that anonymously and make your money. Because I'm not trying to gatekeep how people do what they do. I'm not judging you, okay? (laughs) I'm just saying like podcasters are in a creative space. And I think the hardest thing is to get people to understand that as it relates to how they could make money with the projects that they're working on. There's just so many ways. That's a funny example I'm not going to lie. We've been drinking a little bit. I laughed for like 30 minutes, but she laughed all the way to the bank. Okay, there you go. There is literally so many ways to make money online. Literally, literally. One of the new income streams over the last year that I've fallen in love with, and I would have never pictured being and doing this, is having a paid newsletter. So what has been your experience with like paid newsletters as a podcaster and as a creator? Mine got off to a slightly rocky start just because 
I was like, I have this idea. And then I got distracted and I went on this thing where I was in the mountains for like a week. And, you know, this is all topsy turvy, right? But I actually love it because it's made communicating about a certain thing so much easier for me to do. It's taken me a little while to kind of get into the flow and understand my processes and also to understand how to monetize the free newsletter. So I have a free and paid subscription. The paid subscription is $5 a month, but it makes more than that because there's different ways I can monetize the newsletter. So it's great one because it's an accessible resource for people who often won't get the information because of gatekeeping, to be honest. Two, I feel very good that there's a free option, but that the paid option is five freaking bucks a month. That's nothing. That is literally a latte in Denver. That's good. Okay. And I have several lattes a week. So I don't feel badly at all about asking for the $5, nor do I feel badly about sharing a pre recorded workshop that I would share in the free part of the newsletter. So if people are like, yeah, I want to like learn about this certain topic or what have you. So there's just so many different ways to be of service, to sell. You don't have to hard sell. And it is actually the fastest growing email list I have. <laughs> It just grows really fast. And that's been the other like amazing thing. All these years, I have struggled to get newsletters to grow, like my email list grow, because ultimately a newsletter is an email list and they just never grew. This one just every day, there's people coming in directly and directly signing up. And so one that confirms that I am onto something that people are looking for and that they need help with. But two, I know that just the statistics around what ends up converting and paying. So I've actually, one of the things I've done is I've created a course as well on podcasters getting paid the course. And it's all about the strategies of monetization, which is not in the newsletter that I'm creating. The newsletter is just ideas. Because what I'm finding is most people, once they hear CPM in like one of those large podcasting communities, that seems to be the only thing they believe to be a thing. And so my goal is to be like, here's all the ideas. (laughs) And so I speak to people who have made money doing all these different things in the paid part of the newsletter. I have recorded interviews. There's opportunities for live conversations, things like that. But I know a lot of creators, and so they're very kind. You've been kind enough to share your expertise, and so it's a great way to have these conversations, to share my friends and the work that they're doing, and to just inspire people to think big and broad and just imagine that they can do what they're trying to do. But I think lack of inspiration and ideas is usually a roadblock because you know it, every time you go into one of these freaking groups, the podcasting groups, and people are so insistent. They're like, well, I get 10,000 downloads and the CPM model and I make $150. And I'm like, bro, I just made (laughs) $3,000. I'm like, you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) 
and I'm laughing to the bank. I'm like, this is so true. <laughs> this is this is true. Listen, <laughs> I was like, I know that you do not know. And I want to say something, by the way. So right now we're recording this conversation at the beginning of 2023. And there's been a lot of chatter around the economy and just tech pulling back a little bit. I think tech is just taking this opportunity to tighten up their budgets post-COVID because they probably were just spending a lot because everyone was at home. And budgets are changing. But it doesn't mean that you can't make money. It just means budgets are changing. And to Danielle's point that she made earlier, which is you have to put yourself out there. If you're not willing to put yourself out there over and over again, and there's many ways to put yourself out there on social media, creating products like our newsletters that we have, doing conversations on people's lives, things like that, then it's really difficult to attract the opportunities that you're seeking. Like you have to be a part of the process. You can't kind of hope that it's going to happen. So an example of that would be, I'm working on my Colorado project, as I've already said, like three times. And one of the things I'm looking at is now (laughs) is who do I want to partner with, with that show? Because if I'm getting 10,000 downloads per episode, which is significantly more than what I'm getting for my other show, that's a lot of money that I could be earning. But the flip side to that is understanding how many pitches need to go out to hit one or two that makes sense and just understanding like what's the amount of money that could be transformative for me. So back when I first started monetizing, the number that really like was like, oh, wow, like, oh, was when I started making 500 bucks a month, like consistently. And so I think people have to be clear about what's the amount that would really make a difference initially. And it's typically a lot smaller than you would think, right? 500 bucks a month was like basically my mortgage because <laughs> I have a really small mortgage, right? And so I was just like, wow, that's like my mortgage. This is amazing. And then I wanted to grow it. Think about what your number is. If you don't know what your number is, that in your mind, it's like a million dollars is what I have to earn for it to make sense. And honestly, you probably need to start earning a heck of a lot less for your monetization goals to be so impactful for you. And then you grow it from there. And so just sitting down and having like that clarity, I think changes a lot for a lot of people. Yes, very true. And I remember you asked me that question as well. And I was like, you know what? It wasn't that much, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But like you said, if you don't quantify what that number is, it becomes astronomical and it feels unachievable from wherever you're at. So you really nailed it there. So, Michelle, this was incredible. And something I love about you is that you have multiple projects. So you talk about your projects so fluid. And all of the skills from one and all the experiences, those lived experiences can translate into other projects and the success of other projects as well. So I think that's something to point out to folks. They say that podcasting is like tattoos. They say, once you have one, you have multiple. <laughs> Lord. So, <laughs> I'm learning that these days since I have now multiple podcasts, but it's true. Something that you learned today can definitely be applicable for another project that you have. So before we head out, Michelle, please let us know, like, how can we connect with you? What's coming down the pike that we should know about? And how can we support any of the projects that you have coming up? 
Danielle, as usual, thank you so, so much for supporting my work and having me in front of the community that I'm a very proud member of. I'm so proud of you. And one of the things I want to say is the other day I was on a Twitter space and it was wonderful. It was with the Black Podcasters Association and a couple of other folks. And I was like, we're collaborating, we're not competing. And I think that one of the really important things to consider is it takes a real small number of paying folks to change your personal life. I don't need to compete with you because out of 300 million Americans alone, I just need a thousand people, (laughs) you know, to be buying my stuff a month. That's not a lot of people. So it's really easy to support you in your work because I can't help everyone and vice versa. With that said, I am moving forward with sharing my brand building lab project where I support online content creators who are creating kind brands online. The goal is really to help them to sustain the work that they're doing. So if they're creating a project where they're trying to uplift the voices of women of color, such as yourself, I want them to understand what it's like to network, how to protect their time, how to work with brands. So you can find me at brandbuildinglab.com, which is my project that I'm really focusing on for 2023. Definitely subscribe to podcasters getting paid. If you are struggling with ideas and like just trying to figure out what does it look like to make money with my podcast, by the way, again, it doesn't mean that you're doing ads. And this is the whole point of that newsletter. Definitely subscribe. There's a free and a paid option, five bucks. It's inexpensive on purpose because I want it to be accessible. And then other than that, you know, follow me on Twitter. (laughs) I tweet about all the things. I have five main things I tweet about, which are money, policy, equity, Colorado, random pop culture things. Like tonight will be Picard season three (laughs) because I'm a nerd. And I like to talk a lot about stuff on Twitter from an equity and access standpoint. So you've been warned, okay? I'm on Spoutable also with the same handle that I have on Twitter. <laughs>